Hello and welcome to episode 337 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. And join me as always is the Glorious League Freak. You can find just buying every single Ponzi coin he can and on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going good. I'm also on Instagram now. So you can follow me on Instagram. Yeah, you're on Insta. Yeah. If you look up uh, the Glorious League Freak. I think I've got six pictures up, something like that. So nice. I didn't know they were, they were allowing pornography on Insta. Well, it's lots of. Uh, you got to be careful. It's kind of like when you're in Japan, you can't show any uh, penetration and things like that, but you can show plenty of tentacles going places they should never be. Well, there you go. I mean, I did see your shiny helmet before. Oh, there you go. Yeah, check out my shiny helmet. Tell you what, that's one of the things I was just watching the open, uh, the closing ceremony for the Olympics in in Tokyo, and it was all traditional, you know, Japanese dances and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, where's the anime and the the weird stuff? Why is why is there not fifty thousand vending machines where you can just get everything you want out of a vending machine and like lots of neon lights, things like that. I agree. I agree. And, you know, Toyota making cars that are more like um, wheelchairs than anything else. Well, they had that. Did you see that? No, God, I've not seen it. <laughs> the Olympics. <laughs> they had, there was this weird, like, all of a sudden they cut to this weird thing where they had some wheelchair athlete. I don't know what he was doing. And they stopped him and they scanned him. And then Toyota made him a wheelchair. <laughs> It was so out of place. It was very strange. Interesting product placement. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. So, um, yeah, Japan must be happy. They they spent all that money making all those massive stadiums that no one could go and visit. Yeah, it'll be exactly like when the Roosters get their new stadium. Yeah. What are they going to do with the venue? I mean, maybe the Roosters could start playing home games in Japan. Oh, that'd work. Cause I Probably think... have just as many fans over there. Because I think... Maybe it's time that the uh, the the planned expansion to China just we've just put on the on the back burner for a little bit. Go to Japan instead. Yeah, it's a bit closer. Yeah, you know, now that you brought up the roosters, right? Can 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 fan bases learn how to lose fucking football games? Like the Panthers beat the Roosters, okay? The Panthers were higher up on the table. Yeah, they had things go their way. I think generally in that game, the refereeing was pretty poor for both sides, but more so for the Roosters. But the fucking carry-on by Roosters fans on Twitter was just non-stop. It's like, can they just calm down and cop a loss? Let's be honest. West Tigers fans have spent most of their time following a team that loses probably two-thirds of their games, and they don't know how to handle losses. They don't even know how to handle wins properly. Tell you who's handling losses good these days are Bulldogs fans. They've got, yeah. like, a resignation to them. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting, although they did get upset the other week when I said Trent Barrett couldn't coach. Yeah. Um, imagine getting upset about that and then watch your team lose to the Tigers again. <laughs> yeah. And, and knowing that you've got to play them again in about a month's time. It wasn't even a good Tigers performance. It was a horrible Tigers performance. That game was atrocious. Yeah. I had to do a live update for that for another website, and I had to, uh, you know, nominate the three best players for the game. Yeah. That's like Chinese torture. Yeah, who would I have picked? I would have picked uh, 
Well, for the Bulldogs, it would have been Moses and By, Luke Brooks. Um, <laughs> I feel like the Tigers would have been Hetherington be there, just because he oh. tried. Um, oh, do he always gets three points? Because I mean, who's better than him? Yeah, they're trash. I was actually watching Luke Brooks in this game, and I just get angrier and angrier the Man, more I watch him play. This is the first time in a long time he's had a game where he was fifty percent utter dog shit and ten percent genuine NRL top grade halfback, and the rest was just meh. Did, I was like usually, usually he's like the majority of his performance is just sitting in the meh yeah. area, but this one was just. Like, he kicked a 40-20 and then got his side a set restart on the very first tackle after it before throwing a forward pass. Mm. You know, what the fuck was that about? Moses and Bai was just... He had he, he went to field one one kick that was kicked to the sideline. It wasn't a 40-20 attempt. And he tried to reel it in while his foot was on the sideline. And he, <laughs> what are you doing, you moron? And then the next... When the Tigers get it on their next attacking set, he then puts in a grubber which does nothing but hit Bulldogs players in the legs. Mm. And because they're crap, they knocked it on. And we somehow got the ball back. So Mbai's probably going, hmm, I planned for that. And no, you didn't. You fucked it up. And he had a drop ball. And, man, they were just – it was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah, it was a rough game to watch. I, I stopped watching the last – I think it was five minutes, and the game was still pretty close. I fell asleep during it. I was doing a live update for it. I fell asleep for six minutes. Oh, wow. It was just... It's a punish. Yeah. (sighs) But anyway, I've got that off my chest. Yeah, it's good. Normally that takes 45 minutes. (laughs) That's the episode done. I'm looking at you going, hang on. (laughs) We've only gone five minutes in here. By the way, it would be remiss of us not to mention that uh, one of our former guests, Julie, has had a baby. She has. Congratulations, Julie. Um, born today, I believe. Yeah, yeah. She had a baby. She, um, she I, apparently he come out quickly. I, I don't know how that works, but uh, she said she's going to listen to the podcast, and we've got to try and make sure that we don't get her to pop her stitches wherever she has them. <laughs> I love how across. Um... <laughs> The matters of pregnancies you are. Fantastic. You've done your research. Yeah. yeah she's got, I can tell you Julie, right now, listeners, if you don't know, like Luke Freak, she doesn't have stitches in her leg. N- no. No. I'm just saying, like, because she told me, like, she, I said to her, you're pregnant. She was like, yeah. I said, how does that happen? So she took <laughs> me through the whole process. Uh, right. It was very technical. She was saying how, like, the stalk comes in through the window, you know, Put you over the side of the bed, grab your hair. Did she mention the paperwork that he makes you do? The paperwork. Oh, paperwork, mate. Do you reckon that on the census she has to fill out that there's another person in her house? Yes, she will. Okay. Because it's based on whoever's in your house on the 10th of August. Actually, she might still be in hospital. I don't know. So that will make it a bit complicated. She'll be listening to this right now saying, can you please stop talking about me at this point? <laughs> do you, you know what they should do at the hospital she's at is they, they should ask her to do the census. They say on there, how many people are in your dwelling at the moment? She's just, she's just going to have to spend the whole day wandering around asking each person. <laughs> 700. Yeah. 
and all the children. That'll be fun. That'll keep you occupied, Julie. I wonder what she calls the baby. Well, it's... Oh, I think she a- told me. Andrew League. Andrew League. <laughs> I think she has a name picked out for if it's a boy or if it was a girl. Um, so I think she already knows what she was going to call it. But I reckon she should call it Matt Daylight. Matt Daylight, I bet. Yeah, just not Mitchell. Yeah, not Mitchell. That'd be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> or Jordan because he's not a pom. Yeah, yeah, don't go with Jordan. Don't don't go there. Um, yeah, it's also been a uh, it's been a big week for uh, or a big um, sort of winter period, I guess, for for babies. Obviously, uh, um, my wife and I had one back in May. Yeah, and Mister and Missus Nathan had a had a baby too shortly after ours was born. Uh, really, another yeah. guest. Amazing how like. I guess you'd call that in the Olympic spirit, like synchronized intercourse, wouldn't it be? Well, I don't know how synchronized it was. We weren't setting watches. Watches? No, no. Just sort of randomly going by Zoom calls and stuff like that. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want to be intrusive, you know. No, don't want to be. Don't want to sound weird. No, no. Like we 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 had had phones on loudspeakers, but that was about it. No, no yeah. videos. That's just weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of census, mm-hmm. that's that is coming up on Tuesday, and we thought we'd have a quick gander and see how possibly some of the questions would be answered by rugby league players. Yeah, this is a good. The census is always really, really exciting moment because Can't the... I'll tell you with a stats nerd in this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the census because the government sends out a form to fill out, and they say they need it for planning, which. In Australia, we don't plan anything. And then if you don't fill it out, they send you a fine with your name and address on it. And it's like, well, if you had my name and address, why do I need to fill out the census? Well, there you go. I think um, the thing I find interesting is that they're asking us, as you said, they need us to fill out the census so they can figure out, you know, where they need to do work. But they've already got a system set in place to find out where they need to do work, and that is they just go to whoever's in the... Uh, you know, electoral seat for their actual government, and then they just build them a car park. Isn't that the go-on job now? That's my understanding, yeah. And the other thing is, too, like, where are, where is everyone? We're all at fucking home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's going to be easy going it's be easy for everyone. What, what's your job? I haven't got one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what's your religion? I don't know, but I watch the sermons every 11 a.m. on the fucking morning. <laughs> Uh, and aren't they fascinating? They really are. We all tune in. You know, it got to the point where during the Victorian ones last year that um, we could tell how bad the news was going to be from the uh, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews based on whether he was wearing, um, uh, you know, nor- was it uh, outdoor explorer type gear or not? Oh, yeah. I've got the name of that stuff. Uh, oh, what was it called? You get it. I think you get it from those, you know, boating, fishing, camping places. Yeah, yeah. North Face. That's it. That's well, it. Whether he's wearing North Face gear or not. Yeah. So I don't a, know. What, I don't know if Gladys has got a got a thing going on. Maybe I, if I she comes out, maybe she's come out. And she's got rosy cheeks. You know, you know, it's going to be a shit day. <laughs> All I know is that Brad Hazard says dumb shit every time he's got a, a microphone under his nose. And, uh, like, the other week, and I don't follow all of this news too closely because I just don't care, but um, 
the other week he was saying that if you're out in the community and you have COVID, you're basically walking around with a loaded weapon. Oh. And it's like, wow, just calm down there, Brad. And then have you seen the videos of him when he's, he puts the mask on and off? And, and as soon as the press conference is finished, he just takes his mask off and walks <laughs> away. Like, yeah, he, he hasn't really got that uh, process down. No, no. <laughs> kind of got that wrong. Got a bit ass about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's all, all a bit fascinating. Uh, but, yeah, we've got the whole eastern seaboard is in lockdown at the moment. Um, yeah, it's good. It's, fa- it's, it's fascinating how he, each state now handles it. Queensland's confused. Well, I think there was a comment which came out uh, recently where <laughs> they said... We suggest you don't organise to get um, you know, stuff delivered to your house because you're putting delivery drivers at risk. And hang on, you're not allowed to go to supermarkets. Are you supposed to get food? <laughs> How about when they there was a, an outbreak at a KFC in oh. in Sydney, and they said, "Well, KFC isn't essential," and it's like so now food outlets are going to pick, be picked off one by one as not being essential. Like, eventually we'll have nothing to eat. We'll have to go to Bunnings and start eating fucking sawdust or something because Bunnings is open. <laughs> oh, we have Bunnings open here too. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, Kentucky Fried Cluster. Yeah. It's going great guns, mate. You just got to make sure that a Porto, mm-hmm. they just shut the fuck up and they just stay under the radar. You'll be fine. Exactly. If anybody in a Porto gets it, I just want them to keep it on the you know, down low, and I want them to just just casually say, hey, look, could get sick. I'll still eat it. <laughs> All they've got to do, mate, is just, you know, just spray some Glen 20 over it. When you yeah. get it, take it home, put it in the microwave. That'll kill whatever they put on there. Mm. Job's good. You'll be fine. All sorted. Anyway, let's do this census. I'm I'm pumped up for the census. Anytime I can give abundant amounts of information to the government, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Um, let's see. How would uh, how would Paul Vaughan answer this question? Yeah. Who spent the night of Tuesday, tenth of August, in this dwelling? <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon he'd have to attach another piece of paper? <laughs> I think he's probably going to have to get a very long, long, long piece of cardboard and ask everyone to write their details on there. He just says, "Well, I can tell you who wasn't here." Yeah. Imagine that, they happen to go around his house again, and then go, right, I've got to get to the barbecue and get Corey. I've got to go into the bed and get Jack. <laughs> it's, why can't they just sit on chairs? I oh, know, right? He's got to go and dig them out from all sorts of little crevices around the house. Best game of hide-and-seek ever. Oh, unbelievable. Um, in total, how many people were away from your dwelling? Oh, there was only about 10 of them that weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> There's about 10 homes that can't answer that question because all their people are over at Vaughn's house. By the uh, way, if you uh, consider that all of the NRL players are up in Queensland, when they have to fill out who was in their dwelling, like how many of them would have to say, I don't know their name, but it's sexy chick 47 <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> So at the moment, too, the problem they've got is that all of them and all their families have all gone up to, to Queensland. Yeah. That's just irresponsible from from the family's behalf. I mean, who's supposed to be doing the census? Yeah, These football gonna... players, I mean, all, they've, they've, got a, they've got a hard job of training, 
and playing football and having parties. Yeah. They don't have time to fuck around with government forms like this. That's what they get married for. Exactly. How are you supposed to fill out a form when you're trolling through Instagram for, for some chick? Exactly. I don't get it. Exactly. They're, they're only human. Yeah, exactly. Um, dude, there's some touchy ones here for some of the players, you know. What are, the, what are the people's dates of birth and age? What is the person's relationship to person one or two? <laughs> mm, just put complicated a lot. Yeah, just complicated. Lots of uh, just met thems. <laughs> what is the person's current marital status? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't ask. Where does the person usually live? For most of them, it's like wherever the nearest taxi is. Yeah. Oh, man. In which country was the person born? I mean, you know, for the Raiders players, most of them are going to say England, aren't they? England, yeah. Um, does the person use the language other than English at home? I suppose for those English players, what are they going to put down? They'd put, they'd have to put down, some of them would put down scouse. Um, what else? Whatever the fuck it is that Jamie Peacock says. <laughs> Have you ever heard him talk? Yeah, he's, he speaks in uh, Pigeon Yorkshire, I think. Fucking marbles in his mouth. <laughs> Dead set. I don't understand what he's saying. Well, that, that's the, uh, I mean, that's where question 21 comes in and says, how well does the person speak English? Oh, just doesn't. <laughs> Can you put down speak, speaks English how well? Doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> or no <laughs> just no yeah does the person ever need someone to help with or be with them for self-care activities well in Todd Carney's case yes yeah he probably needs a minder there's a lot of them need a minder yeah um, it depends what do you describe as being self-care well you know going to the toilet on your own and you know making sure it goes in the toilet not your gob yeah, that's a good point. That'd be a good start. Yeah. Um, or for Julian O'Neill, you know, going to a toilet, not to a craps table. I mean, it's, let's be honest, that is confusing. Well, he did shit in a teammate's shoe as well. Yeah, well, so, you know, it looks kind of like a seat. Yeah. Easy a, mistake to make. It's a bit of a receptacle-looking thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. I think he, he got a bit of a rough, rough deal there, Julian. Remember when he uh, allegedly tried to set a dolphin mascot on fire? No, don't you? No, I didn't. I did not hear that one. Yeah, I think it was a. I think it might have been a preset. I can't remember what team he was with, but they were on like some cruise. This this is from memory, so I hope I'm getting this right. And it's all alleged, but uh, apparently there was a cruise, and allegedly there was somebody dressed up in a foam dolphin outfit that. It was allegedly almost set on fire, and then the person that allegedly tried to set them on fire allegedly jumped over the edge of the boat and swam to shore, and that was it. It was basically the end. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. That's that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, what else is there? Does the person ever need someone to help him, or sorry, help them with, for help or with them for when this is does the person ever need someone to help with or be with them for communication activities well for the west tigers players yes 
100%. They need Ronnie Palmer out there speaking between them all, hey? Yeah, and he just says the same thing all the time. Come on, guys, we're still in it. Fucking <laughs> right, Down 56 nil. Michael Maguire's giving him really detailed instructions. I want to hear who's talking. I want you to tell him to do this, this, this. And Ronnie Palmer goes out there and goes, come on, boys. Put in more. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Come on, boys. Rip in. Did you tell him, Ronnie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you tell him? I, I told him, rip in. Yeah, fuck's sake, Ronnie. <laughs> at, at some point during the year, and it's not far away, Ronnie's just going to have a... a a piece of paper with an entire script written on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that we haven't seen direct communication between a coach and who is out in the field. Like, why couldn't you have a little speaker? I, I agree. Like, why I, not? I, say... I think I think that we're touching a very smart um, area here when Ricky Stewart she... goes down to the sideline. Yeah, I, I think. It must be against the rules. It has to be. I don't know. I see. Maybe it's that whole feel good at Penrith thing where he got. Remember, he got sent off by uh, Phil Harrigan. Phil Harrigan, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's from that. But I think we don't want to go as far as what the NFL does, where you stop and the coach runs a play with you, and you go back out and you do that like four hundred times a game. We don't want that. Do you remember? This is going back into the late nineties. Phil Gould said that it would be really cool if a coach could call a timeout during the game and get the players over to the sideline and just have a word with them. Yeah, that's not a good idea. No. But what I would be all for is the coach on the sideline just yelling incessantly at the players. Not not when the play stopped. Mm. Not when players are coming over. Just yelling his tits off at him. Give him a loudspeaker. That'd be interesting. Can you imagine Craig Bellamy with a loudspeaker? Oh, come on. Tell me Melbourne wouldn't be one of the most loved teams in the comp if you, if you <laughs> managed to hear everything Bellamy said. It'd be so good. All the games that have to be moved to 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> I still think that the reason we're getting fake crowd noise, which is ridiculous, by the way, is because they don't want you to hear what the players say to each other during a game. It's, I think so, too. And yeah. it's also not working because I remember, I think the both games I watched this week were the Panthers one and the Tigers one, mm-hmm. and you could hear plenty of swearing going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why they're so worried about swearing. Like, if it was 1942, probably, but, you know, we get swearing. I mean, the only place, the only time you tune in TV now and you don't hear swearing is the news and Home and Away. Yeah, that's maybe, about, maybe the Teletubbies. You know, I I like that about the Formula One with since they've been taken over by this new company. They've basically looked at it and said, look, the the drivers swear sometimes and it's okay. And so they just they will let you hear, not so much in the normal broadcasts, but the videos they put online that are from F one themselves, they're full of swearing by the drivers through their the uh, headset that they have when they're in the in the race, yeah. and it's fine. Like the world didn't end. That's right. No one really, no one's upset. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, people are fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Um, is the person attending a school or other education institution? I reckon there'd be a few that are, but not because they're learning anything there. Yeah, <laughs> mostly just uh, you know. 
just because it's part of their parole. <laughs> Good behaviour bonds and stuff like that. I was going to say, more, more that um, one of their Tinder matches is out there somewhere. <laughs> Don't. Don't you dare. I'm not saying anyone. Um, what is the highest year of primary or secondary school a person has completed? The, how many times we would answer that with no? Yes. <laughs> they just, just heaps of them just write seven. <laughs> what did it even go up to? <laughs> I mean, they get most of them got into football to avoid school. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, last week, did the person have a job of any kind? Well, for Paul Vaughan. <laughs> yeah, Paul Vaughan, guess. Dude. Too soon. That's all he wrote. Too soon. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, cuts deep, man. Cuts deep. Yeah. Um. Oh, what else we got on here? For the main job held last week, what was the employee's business name? Volandis. <laughs> PVL Enterprises. PVL. Yeah. How many registered motor vehicles owned or used by residents of this dwelling were garaged or parked at or near this dwelling? Geez, you had to be a storm player answering that question. Yeah, that's true. All of that's... a sudden, you're like the fucking boat, the three <laughs> Suzukis. <laughs> <laughs> that list will be as long as Paul Vaughan's people living in his house. True, very true. Uh, has the person ever served in the Australian Defence Force? Not if they're at the Tigers or the Bulldogs. No defence there. Bad joke. I'm going with it. I cast that line out. I knew it wasn't going to get any bites, but I thought, fuck it, I'm throwing it anyway. Yeah, that's a a hard dad joke, that one. It is, it is. I wonder who Um, was the last person that played in the NRL that was actually in the army. There would have been a few in the 70s, maybe 80s, who got conscripted. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah. don't know if they, how many of them saw action. Uh, the likes of Bob Fulton and uh, Tommy Rodonicus got uh, got got conscripted, but they, I don't think any of them saw action. I'm pretty sure Fulton was a a uh, PE trainer for a lot of the soldiers. Yeah, and Tommy was changing flat tires on planes at the Wagga RAF base. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone that jumps out that was in the army. Um. Other than that, I can think of probably Keith Holman. He he was in the army in World War Two. Yeah, see, once you start going back to World War Two and World War One, and that it starts getting different, you know. Yeah, Holman almost almost lost his life in a uh, freak kitchen accident. Oh, really? What happened? He was. They had this makeshift kitchen set up, and they had to send. I think they had to put petrol down the down the. Um, Flew the for the um to to light up the stove inside. Okay, petrol. Yeah, well they got to get it started somehow. <laughs> Might and, have been uh, maybe kerosene or something like that. Oh, you know, know something like that. And yeah. uh, the fire was already burning inside, and he didn't know about it. So it just straight up out the out the uh, flue where he was standing and took him almost burned him alive. Wow, that's terrible. Yeah, there's a war story you don't tell anyone. No, it's like uh. <laughs> It's like saying, "Oh yeah, my uh, my grandfather died during World War Two. It's like, "Oh, that's terrible." Yeah, skiing accident in New Zealand. 
Yeah, it's not a good one. Um, no. Here's another question in here. This is at the end of the census. How much does your household pay for this dwelling? Oh, well, it depends. Some clubs don't allow them to pay anything. They just say, do you want somewhere to live? Yeah. We've got a oh, really cheap place. We, we, found, we found this um, this abandoned lot. It just happens to be rather well furnished. Mm. And we just figured, you know, we don't want it. How about you just take it and you look after it? That's kind of how it goes, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Probably how it goes at Bondi, allegedly. But anyway, there's the census. Remember, people, fill out your census on the uh, August the 10th. No, I disagree with Andrew. Don't do it. I hope it's not a crime to tell people not to do the census, hey? It probably if, is. If it is, my name's Andrew Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Andrew Ferguson, and I own uh, Rugby League Project. Well, if we got that right, um, yeah. Hit me up on Twitter, and I'll give you my email address. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Speaking of which, we should do some emails, hey? We should, we should. Okay, let me uh, just make this screen full-sized. Okay, so we've got one here from Nui Ash. He sent this on the 3rd of August. He says... Hey? A freshie. Yeah. He says, Crypto Lord and Super Dad. It's been bemusing... It's been bemusing me how often I hear rugby league personalities, and then he says, let's face it, they aren't journalists, recite the no team has ever won a premiership after conceding 50 points in a regular season match rhetoric like it is meaningful barrier and not just a random obscure stat. To be fair, I don't think the Rabbitohs can win the comp this year either, but for entirely different reasons. What is it about rugby league personalities that prevents them from understanding the difference between correlation and causation? Hits to the head? Excessive alcohol consumption? I'd love to show them a graph showing the decline in the number of people buying physical newspapers against the decline of the Bulldogs to see if they think the Bulldogs can win the comp if enough people start buying newspapers again. Let me issue a challenge to Superdad. What is the funniest rugby league correlation you can come up with? Challenge to Crypto Lord, hold those BNB coins and Cardano. Cheers, Ash. Wow. Mm. Heck, you got the easy job. I do. I've got Cardano, by the way. Um, let me first say, in regards to uh, you know, pretty much the theme of what he's getting at there, the yes. reason why a lot of these, I'm not going to call them personalities because they don't have one. Um, so I'm going to go with, well, as we like to call them, bloggers. Bloggers, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with these bloggers. The reason why they hang their hat on that one stat yeah. is because for a brief moment, it makes them feel like they know something about rugby league. You know what you and me should start doing? We should start saying no team has ever won the premiership after conceding 49 or more points. Uh, but I think that may have happened. Really? Yeah, that's why this, the numbers are 50. <laughs> God damn it. Who's conceded 49 points and won the premiership? I think it was the Knights. Really? Wow. Yeah, two, uh, early 2000s Knights. I think they had a game where they... And I could check it out, but yeah, I'm just going to wing it. When, I when think it was that one. Choked. 
Hey? When the Eels choked against the Knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those times. Yeah, 2001. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, as far as other obscure stats. Uh, yeah, there's... The only one... No, no, I can't really think of any, to be honest. The only one I was going to go up with was, you know, one about Paramount halfbacks, but... That is, you know, there hasn't been a, a halfback at Parramatta since Sterling to have played 100 games in the number seven jump, but I think Moses has just got there. Just ticked it over, yeah. I, I can't think of any that jump out. into Like, I'm sure if you looked hard enough, you could find some weird stat that, you know, if a certain team doesn't win all their games in April, they don't win the premiership, you know? Yeah, I'll look into that. Something strange like that. Yeah, that's something I'll, I'll look into. <clears throat> Just for fun okay. one day. <laughs> uh, our next one is from Leon. And he says, Hi, leaders of the PVL fan club and World Cup haters. With the, new, with the NRLW being delayed this year, it has a chance to stand on its own. Do you think the competition will rate okay on TV? Or get good crowds if crowds are allowed. I personally hope so, as the women's game, in a lot of ways, is more entertaining to watch in recent years since the girls don't wrestle much and they don't have six again bullshit ruining the contest. And if you had a plan, if you had to plan out the next 20 years of NRLW, how would you expand the competition? My goal would be by the year 2040, we have 12 teams all playing each other in a proper home and away season and a top five or a top six final series. The teams would be based in North Queensland, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Newcastle, New Zealand, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, and four Sydney clubs. I know the revenue to the NRLW would have to increase quite a bit for it to be fully professional league where you could run a national competition like this, but fuck it. It's my wish list, and that's what I would do if I had the power to. I believe the women's game has an advantage over the men's game when it comes to expansion since it doesn't have to keep nine old-ass Sydney clubs happy and can forge its own path forward. P.S. I sent you a long message a few months ago and you only read the first part of it. That's Andrew's fault. (laughs) As the biggest Volandi shills on the internet, according to Angry Englishman, I think you would get a kick out of the second half of it. And congratulations on baby Ferguson. Oh, that's very Thanks, nice. Oh, well, I'll answer this one. You should go through the email upon the other yeah, half. Let me go back and find it, eh? Look, um... Oh, boy. Where to start on this one? It's... I, I'd like to see the the women's game not be run by the NRL at all but the NRL work in conjunction and make sure they help promote it as much as possible with all the resources they have. I think the women should be trying to run their game their way so that no dopey bullshit rules from the NRL get forced upon them. Because mm. um, at the moment, I think the NRLW will actually get quite a lot of people watching it and enjoying it because as you said before there's no wrestle there what you what you do get is the women play the game in the spirit of the game as it's intended that is good sportsmanship hard and fair and it's 
they're damn good games of football. Yeah. Just that's all there is to it. Um, as for you know, twenty forty, I'd like to see more than just twelve teams, and I can't see any reason why there wouldn't be. Um, I'm with you though. I wouldn't be having a ton of teams, you know, bulked up in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, four teams in um, four teams in Sydney. Have a north a north team, south team, east team, west team. I think that'd be more than enough. Yeah. Um, have a, a north Brisbane team and a south Brisbane team. Team in Gold Coast. Um, and yeah, try and try and cover every other capital city from there, and you know. Obviously, I've got no reason why they're uh, no issue with the Cowboys having a, a team of their own. Um, God, I'd love to see a PNG women's team in the comp because damn, have you ever seen the PNG women's team play? Um, I don't think I have. Hey, they've they've sat down, they've watched the way the PNG men play, and they go, "Yeah, we can do that," and then oh, they go out and literally do that. Wow, holy oh, crap! <sighs> They would fold several, several NRL men's players. <laughs> God, some of the hits I come up with—it's insane. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see a bit of that in there as well. I'd love to see more Pacific Island teams having having teams that play regularly in the NRL and the NRLW because it's it's only going to help improve the international game as well as the domestic competition as well at the same time. So I'd be keen on all of that. So I think that I would I would agree with everything that that Liam said as well. The only thing I would say is that I think the female players um, would have a little bit more trouble backing up week in week out than the, the male players do. That's what I've been told about women's rugby league at that level. It's uh, a little bit harder for them to back up, and yeah, I mean the money would have to be right for them to be able to be, I guess, full time professionals and. And all that sort of thing, but yeah, I mean, I just think you you hit all the capital cities, and, and yeah, I I would love to see the competition being that big, and I'd like to see it break away from the NRL, quite honestly, and and be its own administration. And I would like the, I mean, personally, I would like the women's teams to be called their own things. I don't think they need to be affiliated with NRL clubs. No, nah, but I can understand why they do it. It's purely just, you know, recognisable brand. So it's just easy to get a footing in the market, I guess, straight yeah. away when you do that. I found uh, Liam's older email. Ah, oh, good. And uh, there are some things he wrote in this. Like, I really can't say on the podcast. I mean, at one point he says, Peter Volandis has a 12-inch long hog. And, you know, he, he says that he wants to have V. Godley's babies. And Fergan, the freak, can eat shit and die. I'm not saying stuff like that in the podcast. Yeah, you, you really did get a little uh, fired up, didn't you? Yeah. He's taking fired up, stuff. excited. It's a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of fired up and excited, mm. the World Cup was cancelled finally. Uh, I've had my bit to say as a representative of the nation of Australia and New Zealand although New Zealand's more of a, I don't know, a council area. Uh, what are your thoughts on the World Cup being cancelled officially? I'm wondering whether um, pretty much all of the sponsors come together and said, if you don't get Australia and New Zealand in this World Cup, then we're taking our fucking money and going elsewhere with it. And they've gone, yeah, okay, we're going to have to cancel this. You know, it's been really funny for me is all of these made-up rugby leagues over there 
and they're all basically in the same office areas. So you had the you had the Super League had something to say, then the Rugby Football League had something to say, then the European Rugby League, whoever the fuck they are, had something to say, and it's like just keep swapping the letterheads, fellas. <laughs> Do you reckon they all share on the same vending machine? Probably. It was very. Oh, they oh, took oh. it very personally. The English didn't they? Well, you can understand why. This is their best opportunity to win the goddamn thing. Like, they, they weren't going to win it because Tonga was still going to be there, so they weren't going to win it. But it was their best chance to do that. But they, I mean, everything that I saw was like, okay, Australia and New Zealand withdrew. The fucking NRL. And it's like, no, it was Australia and New Zealand withdrew from the World Cup. And it just was like a bunch of superly emotional people making super emotional, outrageous comments that really... I found it very strange, the reaction. They took it very, very personally, and I didn't understand why. I think the large reason is because English Rugby League needs marquee events like this. Now, I don't know why English Rugby League hasn't been trying to lobby for more kangaroo tours, because that would have the the same impact, essentially, as the World Cup would, especially given that they're only trying to market to the place where they've already marketed, you know, that's what they're doing with the World Cup. They weren't really taking it to any new places, were they? No. Most of the games were being played where they already had their fan base set up. So all they were doing was trying to pick the pockets of the fans who are already donating plenty of money to the game anyway, what few of them there is left there. They're just going to pick their pockets dry until there's nothing left to pick, and then what? Well, that's, that's it. The problem they, they with don't not have having the expansion. They, they, they don't, they're not trying to think big picture. No, no, there's no plan. And the funny thing was they would say, well, this is terrible for the English game. And you'd say, well, it's the international game. I thought no, none of the money was going to the English game. And it's like, oh, you're right. It's terrible for the international game. It's like, oh, the international game would be all right. And then all of a sudden, like there was two or three days there where the big issue was some of the female players in England had put their weddings off for a month while the World Cup was on. And that was the big issue. And it's like... I think they'll be fine. You know, they'll have a, their weddings a month later. They'll be fine. I just found the whole thing ridiculous. Kind of scratching for whatever reason they can to have the shits, I guess. They really were. And, you know, the NRL's the big bad monster in their eyes. I think a lot of it comes down to petty jealousy. Petty, petty jealousy. I was a bit torn on it because... I completely agreed with the justification that the ARLC had, and that was player safety. Fully agree with that. I, I stand by that entirely. That's, that is the entire reason why I would not have had the World Cup taking place at all. Um, the reason why I was torn is because when the issue of player safety arose the week after, when mm-hmm. Queensland went into lockdown, mm-hmm. and I was gone, yeah, we don't give a fuck about that. And I, hang on, you can't you can't dive into the pool of player safety mm. when it suits you, and but then keep jump out of that safe. pool. Jump out of that pool when you you know when that suits you as well. You know you you can't have your cake and eat it too. You got to pick one, and that's the thing that got me that. is the fact that no, but they kind of did. They they had 
Queensland went into lockdown because they had cases there and they said that we're not going to have any professional sport. And the NRL worked very hard to ensure that they got their games played. So they defied what the government wanted in the face of a COVID outbreak there. And I know that people will say, well, but there's only six cases against someone. I'm going, no, it doesn't matter. A yeah, COVID the, risk is a COVID risk. But the thing is, right, and I think this is where you're wrong, and it's finally this. It only took us 337 episodes to disgrant some, apart from not, daylight saving. Let's be clear, first of all. Mm. I'm never wrong because I only speak facts. Oh, no, you're wrong, Fonzie. Let me tell you why. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the players were already in a bubble, right? And when it came out that... So what happened was that basically the Queensland government said there will be no sport in Queensland on the morning. And the NRL was like, hang on, we're sport as well. And we've just moved everyone up here so we can continue the sport. So they had to postpone the games for that day. And they went to the government and they said, like, are we able to play games? Because as soon as that news come in, they got all of the teams to return to their hotels from traveling to games from training i think it was the panthers said they were out training they got the call to go straight back to the hotel so they're already in a, a condition of lockdown themselves and so they all went back to their hotels the nrl negotiated with the government as to what they would need to do above and beyond what they were already doing to stay in a lockdown condition and the, the condition was no fans at all at the games um, you can see the players wear the masks and stuff as they're in, indoors. So so there are the bubble lockdown conditions. But the thing that the, the ARL and the New Zealand Rugby League were worried about is that the players going through all of this and then having to go through it again without, without there being any guarantee that these players can come and go. And look, the, just this week we've seen... Australia has changed the conditions in which they will allow you to come and go from Australia. And one of them isn't for the Rugby League World Cup, funnily enough. And once you got a, if you looked at the plans for the World Cup organisers, the bubble didn't exist once they got to England. You were basically able to go out and, you know, go to shops and get whatever you wanted, go to restaurants and stuff. And there was so there was no bubble over there. There just wasn't, and that was a one a big big problem. That though was largely due to the fact that their immunisation or the vaccine rate is very high over there compared to here. That's true, but so they they're all still getting it as well. Like, oh, I, I know, I know, but I think that's the reason why they were not as forceful with the bubbles over there. I mean, I'm pretty sure Super League teams were in bubbles last year and they were still getting coronavirus. Well, my understanding is that Super League clubs, I mean, you kept on hearing English supporters saying, well, the Super League clubs couldn't afford players to be in a bubble. And I think what they actually mean is that the players that the Super League clubs don't actually pay wages to couldn't afford time off work to stay at home in between games. That's what they really meant. Um, I, I just, I think that, you know, the lockdown conditions the World Cup organisers put down were terrible. and But even if they had put down the proper conditions for a lockdown competition, you still get, would have been asking these players to go through this shit for so long. I just think they made the right decision. 
I'm, I'm not opposed to the decision that the ARLC made to, mm. regarding the players going to the World Cup. Yeah. I support that decision. I've got no issue with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, it just felt like hypocrisy to me. That's all. That's all right. As I said, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Whatever, Fonzie. <laughs> you just said this spewing alternate facts to me. Alternate facts to <laughs> you. Fucking alternate facts. <laughs> I tell you what, it's really nice to have had a few days, though, without the fucking English just launching into me whenever I say something. It's just got boring. Like, it's not that I couldn't handle it. It's just boring waking up every day to some idiot tweeting some dumb shit. And I've got this thing where I try and correct people, and I've got to stop doing it. i just got to start ignoring stuff. Did you see the people? I I saw one person starting to tell me that the rugby league, the 2000 World Cup, was an outrageous success. On <laughs> the field, right? And I I just asked a couple of questions of this person. Turned out that they were in some sort of administrative role, and they were like, the finances were actually really good for the 2000 World Cup, and it really helped develop certain nations. And it was like, I did not continue that. That was one that I did not want to fucking continue on. Because anyone they, that says that is a fucking idiot. Were they comparing the finances to, say, the last 12 months of Enron? <laughs> no, right? <laughs> like, what, you and me have literally looked up the information, the financial information for the 2000 World Cup. It is undeniable. It is one of the biggest wastes of money in rugby league's entire history. Yeah, so from what we saw... Um, the first report that came out about six months after the World Cup finished said that there was X amount of money lost. Mm. And then six months after that, it was X plus X amount of money mm-hmm. lost. And then a year after that, it was like, yeah, maybe it was three or four Xs that were lost. <laughs> like, you know, we're going to stop looking at it now. It's starting to scare us. <laughs> Let's just put yeah. the next World Cup on in eight years' time. Yeah, and, and th- like this person was like, Oh, when we finally convinced Australia to have a World Cup again in 2008, cause, and they wanted it on that date because it was 100 years of Australian Rugby League. And I was like, no, we had to spend like fucking eight years with Australia and New Zealand constantly heading over to England to keep you pricks alive because you couldn't yeah. run the World Cup in 2000. But, you know, back in the 1940s, the Brenton Lions came over and they dodged mines that their own military planted in the you know, Save Rugby League in Australia. That was the funniest shit, hey? Oh, fucking hell. That was just... That person never replied to me either. Of course they didn't. Of course they didn't. Uh, yeah, That's oh. why they're a joke, that person. I'm just going to come out and say something about history because no one's going to pull me up on it. Hey, you know what? Fuck it, I will. Oops, you ran into a fucking historian, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> Shove that up your ass, Tony. Uh, docile stuff. But anyway, mm. what else went on? Uh, what else were we going to chat about? There was one, one other subject. I can't remember what it was. Well, there's a story up on the... Um, Fox Sports website saying that Mick Annis has called on Cowboys coach Todd Payton to end the experiment with Jason Tormalolo. Yeah, well, he 
he was playing Jason Tomalolo wider that he normally plays him in the middle where Tamalolo is the best forward in the world. He was playing him wider and it was allowing the opposition to target him in defence because, you know, he's not a wide-running second rower. And no. I've got to say, I agree. I don't know why you would take your best player and play him out of position. Um, we've talked about them trying to save Tamalolo and I understand that. This isn't a season they're going to do anything in, but... I just think that there's no reason to make life tougher for him. And I actually saw somebody on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about Tamalolo's contract, the 10-year contract, and how it's an albatross for mm. both parties at this point. I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that there'd be plenty of other clubs that would happily take on his contract because he's Absolutely. such a great player. I think, I think what Peyton's trying to do is not trying to fuck around with Tormalolo. Mm. It's more about trying to get other players in the forward pack to lift their fucking game. Yeah. And if Tormalolo is constantly carrying the team and playing near on 80 minutes every game in the middle, that's a lot of players, like front rowers, who don't have to work as hard because one bloke's doing the work of several men. Yeah. So put Tormalolo on one edge, all of a sudden, those, those props, they've all got to start to... They've all got to do their own work because Tomalolo's not there helping them anymore. Mm-hmm. He's an edge rower now, uh, edge forward now. And so I think that's kind of what Peyton is looking at doing. He's just moving things around and trying to find out, you know, who's going to put in in the middle and who's not. It's um, it's it's a weird way of going about it. But, yeah, yeah as I said, like the Cowboys season is definitely over and done with. So... I've got no problem with coaches, you know, trying new things now mm-hmm. in preparation for next year to see what works or what doesn't work, find out who's pulling their weight and who isn't, you know, because that's kind of what you should be doing if you're going to be preparation, you know, preparing for improvement the following year. And I, I, I've got no issue with Peyton doing that. I, it doesn't make sense, obviously, technically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but him to find out, you know, who he needs to hang on to and, and who's pulling their weight in the forwards, it makes sense to do that. I don't think it's something he's going to do permanently. It's just, uh, yeah, as I said, finding out who the who the slackers are on his team and who we can cut. Yeah, and I think it would be interesting to see, to see what Jason Tamalolo had to say about it because he seems like a, he's pretty comfortable within himself and his place in the club. Seems like he's pretty happy with life in general when you see him. And... You know, he seems like the sort of person that if you went to him with an idea, knowing that the season is done and dusted, he would be open to trying things if it was to bet himself as a player or the club in general. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I I think that I think Peyton needs to try things. I wouldn't necessarily be doing it with Jason Tamalolo, but you don't know the conversations they've had between one another. You know, and maybe Jason's gone to him and said, look, I need to work on my mobility a little bit more and I can't do it if I'm doing the grunt work up the middle. You just yeah. don't know. That's right. Um, tell you what, there is one talking point from this week's footy. Mm-hmm. Parramatta. Yeah, we said they were done last week and they look done. Mm. And now they've lost um, Red Mahoney. Mm-hmm. He's out for the rest of the year. Um 
he was pretty much the main attacking spark. Uh, you know, the, a lot of what Parramatta did in their um, in their attack was momentum through the forwards. Yeah, off the and all that came off the work that Mahoney gave them, and that's yeah. not going to be there anymore. Yeah, I just think that I think we nailed it last week. We both had Parramatta finishing really poorly towards the end of the year when we did our our uh, prediction episode for the rest of the year. And you watched them against South, and it it wasn't. I mean, South didn't play great, but they were so many levels above the Eels, and that was the feeling you and me both had: is that the Eels weren't quite where the other clubs were. And yeah, it just seems like it's going to be a sad end to the season for the Eels. And I, I mean, I think we both even said it might be Brad Arthur's last game when we did that the end of the mm. final series too. So. It's going to be interesting to see because I'm pretty sure they signed him to another deal this year because that's what Parramatta does. Um, they would have to pay him out if they wanted another coach in there, but I don't know who you'd get. I mean, obviously, Jeff Toovey is at the top of that list. They can't well, get Craig Bellamy now. I guess you could maybe get Wayne Bennett. Do you reckon they've got a bit of a, uh, bit of a penchant for having a former player as a coach? I don't know. Because there's a current um, unemployed first-grade coach. Yeah. He's a former Parramatta player. Yes. Uh, Premiership winning coach. Who they could probably go and sign. Oh, man. I'm stumped. Who is it? Shane Flanagan. Oh, yeah. I don't count him. That if would Param- be a nightmare, hey. If Parramatta could sign him, then I don't need to worry about the West Tigers signing him. Ah, I see what you're doing, mate. <laughs> I see what's happening. Mm. <sighs> Furthermore, it'll be a two-for-one deal because you'll get Kyle Flanagan as well. That's and true. He'll be, he'll be able to play those two or three games a year when Mitch Moses is completely out of form and needs a, needs a break. <laughs> he'll take those... Uh, those minutes that um, Brad Arthur's son plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the ones. Um, it's really weird to see how one-dimensional the Parramatta attack is. But they've, they've been like this for the best part of the last three years. The yeah. thing that worked for them is that they had an absolute fucking steam train on one wing and a bloke who can jump over houses on the other. Mm-hmm. But then, but then the steam train got derailed. Yes. And the bloke who could jump over buildings forgot how to jump. And all of a sudden, that was their game plans out the window, which was, you know, Moses kicking to, to Ferguson and Sevo. Yeah, that's that was true. It. I also think that um, once they lost their steam, it it also became very clear that the fullback didn't like to run the ball from fullback, which was a problem. And then, I mean, seeing Gutherson yelling at his teammates, and he didn't do it in this last game, I think someone had to talk to him because he would be running around yelling at his teammates when they'd make mistakes and then he'd make mistakes himself and sort of just smile like it was all right. Yeah. And I think someone had a word to him that, dude, you're going to get a, a team of players offside here if you don't shut up. Exactly. And cut that fucking hair. <laughs> I think what Brad Arthur should probably consider Retirement. is moving Gutherson into the halves. 
Oh, really? And having yeah, and having someone like Blake Ferguson pass up, or not not him, but someone like him, I guess, mm. who's a good ball runner, playing at fullback because without Mahoney there, they're going to need as much momentum as they can get from the very first tackle of every set, and they're not going to get it with the um lazy ass kick returns that Gutherson provides. They need someone who's going to run that ball back hard. Yeah, I mean he makes. Dylan Edwards look like RTS. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a big problem. I I think Gutherson can be carried in the halves. And mm-hmm. I think actually at the moment he's in better form than Moses. So I'd probably have um, Gutherson at six. Oh, and really? Moses, Moses can just have the rest of the season off, mate. You're toast. He really look. He looks... He's beat. Yeah. He looks physically beaten down, doesn't he? Yeah. He just needs to take the rest of the year off, get your body right, start preseason a bit early, play some, play a few games against a bunch of bloody just, you know, ragtag teams just to get your confidence up and get, you know, remember how to run the ball again. And come in the first grade round one next year in a good headspace and in good form. I tell you what, if you're Parramatta, right, and and Moni's gone for the year. And I don't know who you'd play at fullback. Like, no one jumps out at me. But if you say you give Mitch Moses a couple of weeks off to just physically get 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 it back together, and he might need longer than that, but say you give him a couple more weeks off, and I think he needs that for sure. What if you move Gutherson into 5'8", and you play Mitch Moses at hooker, and you say, we want you to use your running game out of hooker. We want you to be a, a run-first sort of hooker. It just might be enough to shake up their attack a little bit. Why not move Moses to fullback? He's played it before. If See, that's I what like you him. want out of him, if that's what you want out of him, you want yeah. his running game to get, to return, then move him to fullback. I don't think defensively he's capable of handling the uh, the workload required at hooker. Yeah, I get that. I just think that as a fullback, I want somebody that's a big, strong dude. And I've talked about this before, where if you look at a lot of the fullbacks in the game, they're, they're very, they've got a big frame. Like there's very few skinny fullbacks in the game. And the ones that are skinny, and I think as someone like Kalen Ponga, who I'm a massive fan of, they get brutalized at the back. So I would be worried about having somebody like Moses at fullback, because I think he'd just be under more physical um, pressure because of the way that fullbacks have to play the game these days. Yeah, I guess. I will look, maybe put Moses at six. Make him play a traditional six. Not the stupid shit where you've got just two halfbacks, one either side of the field. Yeah. Have him as a genuine roving second receiver where he can pop up on either side of the field. Yeah, like Laurie Daly was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. He didn't have one set side of the field. He popped up anywhere he wanted to, and he's always second receiver off, off Stewart. Fucking brilliant combination. Um, maybe try and work that in there. I don't know. They, they have to change things because at the moment they are so pedestrian in attack. Mm. They are very, very easy to defend against. Paramount has got very good forward pack and they're very good defensively. So you, you're not going to get an easy win against them, but you're not you're not likely to get absolutely hammered by them either unless your no. defense is atrocious. You know, remember there was a point before the season started and you and me were saying they need to get Benji Marshall 
and it was mm. for this reason. Um, can you imagine if they had Benji in that side right now? It would make a world of difference. They'd be a completely different prospect. Even if he was just coming off the bench. Yeah. You know, like he's doing at South. That would have been fantastic. Y- yeah, exactly. It's um, it's interesting how just moves like that can make such a huge difference for a club. And look, Benji Marshall, if the Eels wanted him, they probably could have got him. But, oh, yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, he was looking for a club all off-season. Yeah, yeah. It was the perfect club for him. Um, and South picked him up. And I look, every time that I watch South play and you're waiting because it's starting to get into the Reynolds does a hammy, Reynolds <laughs> hurts his hip season, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you hate to see it because he's always it happens just as South are clicking and he's in great form and stuff. And then just something will happen. He'll get a head knock or something weird will happen and he just – has to carry it through a final series and he doesn't look the same. And uh, you just know Benji's there ready to go if that does occur. Yeah. Huge That's for right. South. That's right. Uh, Parramatta's, I don't know what they're going to do. They don't have too many genuine playmakers in the team. That's their problem. And Brown and, Brown and Mahoney are the two chief playmakers. That, there's no that, doubt about it. What does that... Uh, contract for Mitch Moses look like right now? Do you reckon he'd be sniffing around Brisbane saying, do you know, do you guys need a halfback yet? <laughs> well, Although, has he, has he officially actually, signed that contract? I'm not sure. I mean, if I was him, though, I mean, you probably wouldn't feel too worried because if Jacob Arthur's your biggest threat. That's true. Mm. Yeah. i tell you what, um, talking about halves, Yes. Going to other clubs next year. Matt Burton's been a bit of uh, average form up until this weekend. Mm-hmm. He was very, very good against the Roosters. Yeah, he finally looked like a, a top-level 5'8", didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he took control of it. I mean, there were times when you watch him going, going, you know, I don't think Lua is the, uh, the chief playmaker here. It looks like Burton's controlling everything. Yeah, and the thing for Luai, like he was obviously playing more of a halfback role in this game, which isn't his main, no. you know, role when when Cleary's there. So I I didn't I wasn't concerned about how he was playing, and his defense is great. Like his defense is fantastic. Doesn't matter where he plays, but Burton when he's played at five eighth, it has been really worrying because as a centre, you watch him and you're like, this guy could be playing Origin next year as a centre. And you wouldn't bat an eyelid. Like, his form at centre has been incredible. And then when he's moved into 5'8", he doesn't look like a first grader. Well, this is the first time he actually looked like he belonged as a 5'8". And it was really only into the second half. And I don't know what it was that clicked for him, but he started running the ball straight and hard. That's all it was. He started running the ball. Mm. Um, And, like, he was running the ball in the first half, but a lot of it was drifting to the Mm. side. So he wasn't really committing the defence into him too hard. Um, but when he started running a bit straighter, and he did it just at the back end of the first half and into the second half, and he's got a nice little step right at the uh, right at the, de- the defensive line. Mm. I say little. It's a, it's a decent-sized step. It's a big yeah. step. It's a devastating um, one, yeah. Yeah. He's looking going, why have you been going sideways all this time? Yeah, and I but think... There's one thing that used to frustrate me about Benji Marshall 
uh, you know, in chunks of his career. He had obviously the most amazing sidestep ever, and yet he spent he would spend months running sideways. Yeah. Now, what are you doing, man? You can step in ninety degree angles, like fucking run straight. <laughs> and I think that in this game, one of the things he that Burton was doing was because he he started going up and down the field with his attack rather than side to side. It started to draw the rooster's defense. They were starting to compress in front of him. Exactly. And as they compressed in front of him, it was all of a sudden kick hours got room. Yep. And the players outside of him had room. And instead of going across field, he was taking the line on, engaging it, and then getting it out to kick out. And kick out was like two on one with players. And when you're in that situation, like it's 50 50 that kick out is just going to do some Superman shit and just go, you know, 40 meters and score. So, and I think that maybe it just clicked for him in this game. And to do it against a, because the way that the Roosters were playing, they were playing really smart. It's, even in the attack, they were really, really, there was a few times there where they found ways to break the the Panthers' line. And there was one play where they, the dummy half, he put it out the back to look like two decoy runners. But the second of those decoy runners, when they would get the ball, they had space through the Panthers' line. And they did it at one point on about the 40-meter line. And then they did it again uh, later on, right on the try line. They scored a try from it. So they were playing really smart. And I think that doing it against a team like that, where you can see that they've got structures and they're making decisions and they're smart decisions. And all of a sudden a player like Burton's like, hang on a second. I can, I can break this game open. If I do what, if I run at them and I engage them this way. And I think it just clicked for him and it was cool to see. Absolutely. It was the other thing that's, that gets me about it is, and it's not so much him. It's that when, when the Panthers have got a, a, a running half, playing well, mm-hmm. for some reason, I don't understand why, Kikau just goes further and further left. Like, yeah. Mate, come inside. <laughs> I just look at it going, if he came inside instead of kept pushing himself further and further left, the amount of opportunities for him to score or for players around to score through the middle coming mm-hmm. back inside would be insane, and yet he just goes wider and wider and wider. Yeah, and he, like, he takes away from his outside backs too. They end up with no space, and yeah. The Panthers outside backs give them a bit of space and they can do something with it. And like, it's, I agree with you. Do you remember there was a game, it might've been earlier this year where you and me had been talking about that. I wish I could remember who they'd been playing, but then kick out did actually start doing that. And he was devastating. Like he yeah. was fantastic. Um, Cause I mean, he was getting to the point in, on the weekend where he was between the winger and the center. Yeah. Uh. What are you doing? Like, that's where the 5'8's going to run or the fullback's going to run. Why are you there? Yeah, that's like only one one position in from where Gareth Ellis used to play, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's getting into Ellis territory, and that's a worry. He really is. You don't want him into Ellis territory. But, <laughs> you know, there was some talk about his contract last week. I didn't see too much of it. But uh, I've been wondering with Kickout. Would he be addition by subtraction? Uh, like, say you took Kikau and put in just someone like, and I'm not saying this is a move that would ever happen, but I'm just thought, thinking of a prototype sort of player, like, say, a Josh Jackson, right? 
someone who's not a you know an outstanding attacking player he's a pretty good defender if you put somebody like him in kick-out spot you're going to lose a lot in attack but do you make up so much in defense and mobility that it would you'd actually be further ahead as a team than if you persist with kick-out because either kick-out is being poorly coached which is a possibility or he just isn't getting what he needs to do. Yeah, I think I think all Kikau needs to do is follow the, you know, kind of like the run maps that Luciano Lailua has. Because mm-hmm. Lailua will pop up on both sides every now and then, but a lot of the times he is at least, well, you know, at most he's three in from the from the sideline, so yeah. he's still got two players outside him, which is kind of where he should be. Mm-hmm. I think if. If Kikau could do that, you know that would be—it's a small change, but it would be—it would make him so much more devastating. But yeah, I think if you were to get someone, maybe not Jackson, but say like uh, Ryan Madison, yeah, just a great line runner. That's all you need. Sean Lane would be another good. Another one, one. yep. Sean Lane, um, Britton Akora, yeah, uh, Talakai from the Sharks. God damn, I love that bloke. Another, another great example. You put him out there and just get him to run straight onto anything, and he'll just do it. Boom. You'd probably improve the attack immensely. See, even like, and I know that he's going to the Bulldogs next year, but I could see where you could have got someone like a Tavita Pango Jr. And if he had a flat-out replaced kick out, I can see where once you got him a bit more mobile, he would actually be better than Kikau in the overall game. Even if it's just the work rate. I mean, Kikau, he makes a lot of metres running the ball. But how much, like, grunt work is he really doing? I don't think it's enough for someone as big as him and as devastating as him. No, it is similar to to Lailua as well, where he's just parked out on one edge. Mm Mm-hmm. And so his job is more attack oriented than than defense oriented, which is a bit yeah. weird. But um, yeah, I just I just like to see him run straight and hard on those edges close to the line instead of doing the sideways shit. I mean, you're like seven foot fifty and, and weigh two hundred and thirty thousand you know, kilos, and you're all muscle. Like fucking run straight, man. You can run through walls for fuck's sake. Don't run around them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh. <laughs> It can be really frustrating. And the thing is, too, that, you know, I think he's starting to get into that uh, Wonga Blake territory of this guy looks like a superstar, but it's only a couple of times a season. And, you know, you hope that it's in the right game. But there's been too many games where he's been very, very quiet. And a dude as good and as talented as him should never have a quiet game. No, and that's the thing. I think he's... His style of play is the only style that doesn't complement the rest of the Panthers' side. Yeah. Look, Panthers have got very methodical forwards. They're all doing very important sort of roles. They're all very similar roles, except for Mm -hmm. Liam Martin, who just decides that he wants to run through anything he can. (laughs) God, he's just... I love watching these forwards who just run without fear. Like yeah. Martin and Martin and Talakai for me are just two of the best young forwards going around because they just they just run at gaps and they don't care what's in front of them. Like I see you there, 
I'm still going to run through you. You can try and stop me. I'm going to make it as hard as possible for you to stop me, though. And when you run with that amount of aggression and just no fear, no one's ever going to be able to to shut you down effectively for a whole game. It's just yeah. it's just impossible. And uh, I'd like to see Kikau run like that because imagine his frame doing that. Imagine his frame doing what Liam Martin does. Ah, oh, it'd be crazy. Just yeah. The thing is though, like if you took Kikau, and we've already got Luke Capewell, but if you put Luke Capewell doing Kurt. what Kick oh. Luke. It's Luke Capewell. Uh, Luke's Luke and Kurt are brothers, I think. I think Luke used to play ages ago. Yeah, he played a long time ago, didn't he? Anyway, Kurt Capewell. Um, You might might have played with Matt Daylight. He probably did. Luke Capewell. I I feel like he was a Sharks player. No, he played for South, the Titans, and the Broncos. There you go. I'm so so far off. Or I'm drinking his Dr. Pepper as well. That's what Um, I yeah, if you put Kurt Capewell into that position, um, I think that he would – I think he'd give you so much more than Kikau's given you right now, and that's a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. No, I fully agree. But uh, you know, watching that game, because um, people have been worried about the Panthers. I'm not worried because their defence – you could say they'd got a lot of their players back, so the defence started to come together again. You can see their defensive combinations there. They, they trust one another, which is huge for this defence. And I think once they get Cleary back in the next few weeks, I think they'll be fine. So I don't understand why, and I kind of like it. I would like that people are writing them off at the moment because that's fine, <laughs> you know. I, think, I find it's just crazy that people are writing them off. Like, Penrith is still winning games without their chief playmaker in the side. Yeah. And their chief playmaker is going to returning, be returning to the team very soon, having had several weeks to get his body rested, mm-hmm. just in time for the finals. That's and kind ha- of helpful. Like, why would you be writing that side off? Yeah, I, I don't understand it. Um, especially when you look at their defence, when they've got most of their players back, and it is a, it's still a man. They're a good defensive team. The way they work together. Yeah. It's ridiculous, and yeah. you know the way that they've played with some makeshift lineups. They've just got the job done in a few games, which is all you can ask for. And yeah, I don't understand why people are writing them off. I think because the Storm are going so well, people are like, "Oh, the Storm unbeatable and stuff." And I get that. I'm not saying that they're not the favourites at the moment, but um, it is weird that that people are writing off the Panthers and then saying a team like say. The uh, Seagulls are a real chance. I don't get that. Manly's just one of those teams where if they get the early momentum, they can be hard to shut down. But if they've got to fight for it, as they did against Melbourne, they'll be in the game, but they will struggle to win the game. Yeah. Um, But in saying that too, they're very good at getting that momentum very early on as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'll be honest. I see them as a much bigger threat than Parramatta. Oh yeah. And if they stay fit, they'll probably be a very similar threat to the Roosters. See, and I would get that, but I 
At the same time, I don't think the Roosters are any threat. That's like kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think right now it's Panthers, Storm, uh, Rabbitohs, which I think was what we both said at the start of the year. Yeah. At the moment, the the big issues the Rabbit, Rabbitohs have got is their defense can yeah. at times be sloppy. Like not just during parts of the season, but even just during games, it can just be a, a little bit uh, West Tigerish in a, in appearance. Lazy. Yeah, they just look at go on. What the? What's that shit? Yeah, they turn off. Yeah, it's very strange. And the funny thing is, if they had that out of their game, I think it would be a, a legit three horse race. You could pick any team because mm. when they're on, the Rabbitohs are outrageously good. Yeah, I mean. Think of it this way. They've scored, what, 90 points more than Penrith this year? Mm. But at the same time, they've conceded 160 points more than them. Yeah, it's... That's it telling. Must, and it's it must be so frustrating for Wayne Bennett because you know that that's like the opposite of what he likes out of his teams. Yeah, like he's always been someone who works off the back of a good defence. Yeah. So, yeah, Interesting. Interesting. Hey, there's been a little bit of talk that the NRL is looking to take the grand final to New Zealand. That would be great if it happened. It would. My guess is that they're trying to milk the Queensland government out of more money. Because remember last week they were saying they might take it to Melbourne, and then this week it's, oh, we might take it to Auckland. And I think legitimately they could, but I'd be shocked if it wasn't in Brisbane. I think in the end, the NRL is going to be their hands going to get forced because mm-hmm. they're not going to want to have a grand final in an empty stadium. And mm-hmm. Brisbane at the moment, or Queensland at the moment, are, like they're about to come out of lockdown, but they've still got a few cases lingering around there of COVID. Mm. Melbourne's about to. I mean, we just started lockdown here because we've had a few cases, and we're only going to be in a seven-day lockdown at this stage. Yeah, if it turns out that Sydney can't get on top of their cases, which it's not looking great at this stage. No. Um, the NRL is going to be forced to look at Lang Park, which won't be too bad, well, Suncorp Stadium, which won't be too bad because it can hold nearly 60,000 people. I think it's 55 or something like that. Or possibly the MCG, which is, you know, 105,000. Which, you know, will go, oh, yeah. Exactly. Although exactly. the problem with that is, is uh, you know, probably about 85,000 of those people that they'd be relying on would have to come from Sydney and they won't be able to get across the border. So that's a problem. Do you think, though, do you reckon that people in Victoria would not go to an NRL grand final? No, they go. But mm-hmm. I don't think you get the big crowd that you want, which means you could probably just play it at Amy Park. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Oh, is it? Well, you could play it in that uh, indoor stadium. What's it called? Marvel Stadium? Yeah. I mean, it holds about 60,000 as well. Um, so that that's another option, I guess. Yeah. And then you've got, I guess, Mount Smart Stadium, which it's got a low 20,000 capacity, I think. Yeah, they, they, they would sell Eden Park out so quickly. They'd sell out any stadium there. Yeah. Easy, fast. I think the only problem you would have with the grand final would be in New Zealand is the kickoff time 
is going to have to be late in New Zealand or you're going to have to bring it forward a little bit for Australia yeah. because it's the two-hour time difference. And, look, you can't kick off the game at 10 p.m. New Zealand time. That would be ridiculous. No, it'll be – won't it even be close to three hours then because of daylight saving time? Uh, do, do, do. <laughs> Could be. Add that um, to the list, Andrew. Add it to the list. <laughs> oh, shit. All the cows are going to fade. They really are. It'll make the milk fade. <laughs> It'll get whiter. Um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I think I think though the NRL is going to want to try and make some money from ticket sales, and that's going to yeah. be the driving factor. I think it's a it's a novel idea to be contemplating New Zealand, mm-hmm. but I think that'll be a last resort for them. They'll want to go to a bigger stadium. I feel I wouldn't be shocked if. Like, if New Zealand would be the last resort, because they would have to really negotiate with the New Zealand government. And it might even be one of those things where the New Zealand government says, we want you to all do a one-week quarantine. Like, could the NRO handle a two-week gap between the semifinals and the grand final? Yeah, I think so. The AFL does it every year, so I reckon they could probably just copy that model. Yeah. And, you know, it's not the first time that the NRL would have copied an AFL finals model. We did take that stupid McIntyre system from them. Yeah. Fucking hell. The only the only dumber final system than that was the Super 8s. Yeah. I, if somebody set, put a gun to my head and said, explain the Super 8s to me, I'd say just pull the trigger. Just pull the trigger, mate. Pull the trigger. So I don't have to think about it. Yeah, well, you know, I just don't want to talk for that long. <laughs> you know, we've, we've done two-hour podcasts. I don't want to talk for longer than that <laughs> to someone to explain to them a final series, but that's how long it's going to take to explain Super 8s. Because then you get into the movie, you go, oh, so it's like that for all... No, 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 no. See, it's, it's different for Super League because all the results for the year stay there and it's not the same with the other ones. And uh, it's just, you know, there's a million-dollar game for the... Shitty teams in the middle, and yeah, you know, they don't pay for a million dollars at the top. So yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it's hurt my head already. I'm glad the they don't way. have it anymore. Speaking of stupid things, I saw. I'm pretty sure I saw a report that said the uh, women's English competition. They're basically scrapping all the results from the games they've already played, and they're basically starting a new. England does do like doing that though with their with their football competitions. Yeah. They love a null result. I think they've had two, maybe three games already in the Super League this year where a team's been handed a 24-0 win by forfeit. Forfeit, yeah, which is yeah. crazy. I was thinking, I was actually thinking about this. The last forfeited games we had were in 1996, weren't they? Yeah, Super League. Yeah, when it was the Super League teams didn't field teams at the start of the AARL competition. All bar... The Warriors. The Warriors are going to field a, a team from the Lion Red competition. And so that oh. ensured that they got two competition points. I remember watching, and I can't remember who Illawarra were playing, but they were playing some team. And uh, it was funny because at the time you sort of wondered where the game was going. You know, the stars were talking, there were some of the biggest stars in the game were talking about not playing the game anymore. It's a very weird time. And... Illawarra was playing somebody. It must have been like a Friday night footy or something. And uh, 
there was a, a bloke that was playing really well for them, and I feel like he was Fijian. And I was thinking, well, is this dude going to be the next star of the game? Turned out he wasn't. But uh, it's, it's funny to think back of... Was that, you know, was that, was that in round 196? I feel like it would have been, yeah. I think the person you're thinking of is uh, Philly Saru. Yes. He scored two tries in that game. Yeah, see? You killed it in that game. Yeah, it was against West, and West won 17-8. to eight. Uh, There you go. Um, is he Fijian or...? I believe he was, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, played for Fiji in the nineties. Why 90s. can why can I remember that dude, but I can't remember Matt Daylight, Kurt Capewell, <laughs> Matt Daylight. Yeah, Matt Daylight. Don't even start me on Matt Daylight. <laughs> but I don't even know what that is. Uh, that's brilliant, is what that is. Yeah, that Philly is. Saru played thirty NRL games and scored six tries. There you go. It's not a great strike rate, is it? Not for a winger, no. Especially not in the uh, mid-90s when everyone was scoring tries at will. Pretty damn good Illawarra side, too. They would have that Rodwell, McGregor. Um, yeah, they were a good team back in 96. Wishart. Yeah. Don't forget Wishart. Wishart, yeah. They had... Uh, who was the halfback? They had a pretty handy halfback, too. Is that, was it John Simon, then? Oh, you know what? It might have been. Yeah, I'm think I might be thinking of a little bit later. Sean Timmons was Sean Timmons in that side. Yeah, John oh, Cross, wow. Darren Fritz, Wayne Richards, John Cross. I said, uh, yeah, it's a pretty handy side. It's weird if you had a, if you had a sat down at that game and said, hey, this team will not exist in a few years from now. They'll <laughs> merge with the the Dragons. Yeah, they just won't be here in three years' time. Yeah. Even even Trent Barrett was uh, he made his debut that year, I think. Ninety six. Paul Carriage was playing for him. For for the uh, Illawarra Steelers. Yeah. Man, he should have stopped playing. <laughs> Brad Mackay. Uh, Neil how Pintanelli. Would, I, yeah, he was a handy player. Tell you what, how would that team go in the NRL today? They'd be bloody hard to beat. Oh, absolutely. Craig a lot Smith. of experience. David Riolo. He was good. Yeah. No, it was a bloody good side. They just, I feel like that Illawarra team, because at the time they were, they were there or thereabouts, but like the next level, when you think of the next level above them, was probably a team like North Sydney, who yeah. were very, very good but were never a premiership threat, a real one. And the teams above them were like Canberra, you know, Brisbane on and off, uh, the Sea Eagles. It, it was a murderer's row. That's right. Oh, fascinating stuff. Yeah. We should talk about some history on our podcast every so often, hey? That'd be an idea. When was the last time we did a history episode? <laughs> yeah, I think, funnily <laughs> enough, the last one that was tagged a history episode I went through, I might have gone through my team of the 1990s. Oh, yes. That was when you were making um, a human being. Yeah, I think actually the the human being had been created. Yeah, yeah. And my sleep had, yeah. Like I'll, I, I, let's be honest. I don't know if people know this or not. I don't sleep much, children or not. I've never really slept much, Like. Right? Five hours a day is usually what I do on average. But uh, when the when the 
babies come along. That sort of does drop down a bit to about two or three hours a day. Um, so yeah, it was probably probably around that time when I was only doing about two or three hours. Yeah, and still working. <laughs> trying to die, basically. I was burning the candle at both ends, and just to make sure the flame didn't go out, I also made sure I was burning it in the middle as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I can't remember the one before that. Um, it'll be on the website. Yeah. Where is go that check, website? Go and check it out. It's com, right? And if you look at the top of the, the um, menu, you can see all of the history section where it's basically every history episode we've ever done, all in one place. So if you just want to hear history episodes, just go straight there. Yeah, the one before that was the first rugby league tour to New to Australia, the New Zealand Maryside, which was May 10. That was good fun, that one. That was an interesting one. And before that was in February, where we looked at the birth of the salary cap and the player draft. Look at the stuff you're missing out on, people. We smash out so many episodes, it's great. You do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are starting to get back into it. It's good fun. Steadily, steadily. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll tee up a history episode soon. Yeah. See, uh, the history episodes are great because I basically say, okay, start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, thanks for joining in, everyone. <laughs> Anyway, we should wrap this one up. Let's put it to bed. Yeah, congratulations, Julie. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Nathan as well, congratulations to you. Um, Anyone else who had kids out there um, who are listeners, congratulations to you, whoever the hell you are. I think we've covered everyone there. I like a good cover-all response. Yeah, basically anybody that's uh, into sex is what we're saying. (laughs) Yeah, and follow through. Yeah. Yeah, don't forget to follow through, people. If you like your cream pies, that's all we're saying, okay? There was a line. I'm not too sure where it was. (laughs) I just dribbled all over it. Um, Confidence a long way away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, on that note... Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at Virgo Freak Pod. We're also on, at Instagram with the same name. Um, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. Oh, God, everywhere. You know, just all those places. Go to the Funny. socials. We're there everywhere. Tell um, your friends about us. Yeah, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also leave us a review, a five-star rating and a review. That would be fantastic because we'll read it down on the podcast and we'll pop it up on the website as well. True. And the other thing is, too, if you've got Spotify, you can also listen to the podcast on Spotify as well. Um, so it's just up to you. you you'll you all have your favourite um, apps, but uh, Spotify is one of the ones I'm trying to push a little bit lately because uh, we've got some we've got some growth we can have on Spotify. Growth. And uh, if you've got a business and you want it promoted, get in touch with us. We'll help you out. If you want to know what we're capable of, check out some of our earlier episodes with our past sponsor. Exactly. Manscaped.com. They loved us. Um, carpet cleaning business would be a good one. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. There was a carpet cleaning business that um, used to be located next to where I lived when I was up in Newcastle doing study. Yeah. And they had their motto on the side of the truck that said, the best lay in town. Oh, nice. I went, beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. Poetry. But yeah. Get in touch, people, if you, uh, you've you got a business there, and uh, we'll do what we can to help you out. Exactly. And on that note, uh, take it easy and uh, feed your babies, and we'll catch you all later. <laughs>